taking a big risk today. I have to record with my AC on because even with my AC on, it's like 75 degrees in my room and I don't want to die during recording today. And I tested this out the other day. I think I can get the noise out, but I'm willing to sacrifice the quality of the podcast for my own survival. This is reasonable. I can't blame you. If if you're too hot for the podcast, like, what the fuck? How are you going to get a takeout? Exactly. I need to take a moment to admit a wrong. Because if we never admit when we're wrong, how will we ever grow as people? On this podcast previously, I've said that FF14 is nothing more than a niche MMO that barely anyone plays. It was mostly out of blind ignorance and a desperate need to be right about something in that situation. I have now since learned that I, I was incredibly wrong. And that FF14 is in fact an incredibly popular MMO with a massive player base and one that I have ignored for far too long. So I just wanted to say on the record my apologies. I was incorrect. FF14 is an incredibly popular MMO and I should have shown the respect it deserves for that first initial conversation. This is me attempting to grow. We're happy you shared that with us today. Thank you, Peter. I'm happy I did. Now, one thing I, I want to start off as a little like pre-topic here is, well, first off, uh, this will be coming after E3, we know, and there's a gap between recording. We don't know anything that happened. Wow, can you believe Halo looks great? Haha, there's that joke. Um, but today, in our time, the Battlefield 2042 was revealed. And Peter, I just know you're super excited, right? All I read was that there is no Battle Royale, so this game is probably not going to be talked about in six months after it releases. Now, really? You think that's why it wouldn't be? Just because yes, there's no VR in 2021? Because that's the nature of the beast these days. I'm not even saying, like, I'm specifically not going to talk about it because there's no Battle Royale. But no matter... There's a lot of older guys in the industry, kind of myself included, even though I say I'm one of the older guys, I'm only fucking 24, that want more of the traditional multiplayer modes to come back and be the face of multiplayer again. And that will never fucking happen. So let's just let that dream die right now. Now, I I wanted to tee you up to talk about your excitement that apparently is non-existent. But what I actually, <laughs> what I actually wanted to talk about is not anything relating to the game. I didn't even watch whatever trailer came out. All I saw were all the headlines that they're taking the multiplayer-only approach. And I kind of just want your guys' thoughts. Mark, we can start with you. Do you think the multiplayer-only approach can work today? And also, with the caveat, we assume this is a full-price game. Do you think that can work? Yeah. Uh, we know the price. It's actually going to be seventy dollars. Perfect. That came out today too. Yeah, and that's that's definitely something I'm concerned about because I was really hoping uh, only Sony's first party games were going to try to do that. But how? Who was I to think EA would not hop on that if they were given the opportunity? Yeah, and Activision. To price their games at seventy dollars. Yeah, and Activision mm-hmm. were on it right away. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I maybe Ubisoft won't do it still. But to to get back to the question, I do think I, I do think because the brand Battlefield is still big, uh, it'll still gain some sort of attention to it. Like there's going to be an audience that still will come to it. Maybe it'll be smaller in comparison to a lot of the the free to play games. Like like Peter was saying that not like in the current world of games right now in the multiplayer realm uh that battle royales are not uh, battle royales are the, the dominant thing still and I don't, I don't think they're dominant i think there's a flavor to it i think of the hottest thing on the street right now and maybe it's not going to last very long but knockout city has a lot of people's attention that's not battle royale at all right no it's not that's right like it's just one team versus another if, if i think i'm i'm figuring the, out the game correctly the primary like, mode is 3v3 i believe if I'm okay. remembering correctly. Um, I'm more just interested, like you sent us in our, in our group chat today, a headline about naughty dog hiring for a multiplayer project. And this has been rumored for a little while. It's going to be standalone. And my response was great. If it's going to be standalone multiplayer, make it free to play. Cause I kind of don't understand how any games that are multiplayer only can succeed without being free to play. When you have that mm-hmm. buy-in, it just seems to turn everyone off because there are just a ton of really good free to play multiplayer options. And yeah, they're going to gash you on the back end when it comes to charging you for things. But I don't know. I, I think I would take that in exchange for having an actual player base. Well, that's another aspect of this game of why I think this game will fail. It feels like a, it feels like a relic of its time. This seems this everything they've said this morning when they showed off that trailer and all the PR talk that they did afterward gives this game the atmosphere of a mid 2010s multiplayer game, and that's just not what people play anymore. No one's interested. In, I mean, I'm not gonna say no one is interested but mainstream audiences are no longer interested in that era of games especially if there's a 70 dollar price entry to get into the door why would i spend 70 dollars for a multiplayer game when i can just go play warzone or apex or fortnite for free why the fuck would i bother with this game no not many people will i'm sure it'll sell okay there will be battle hardcore battlefield fans that play it but I do not see Battlefield 2042 taking off a year from now and still being in the main like pop culture zeitgeist of the games industry if it if it doesn't have a battle royale and if it does have a $70 price tag. It just feels like it's being sent out to die. And on top of all of this, the, the added wrinkle would be Game Pass, and Game Pass just seems to bolster player bases and also encourage people of other platforms to then want to get the game because of like the FOMO that it develops. But Battlefield is notorious for coming out broken, just like every other game these days. So if they have a bad launch and I'm even going to give them the benefit of the doubt right now, and let's say it goes on game pass if they have a bad launch, I think they'll be dead on arrival. Unless it's like they do kind of offer this game on Game Pass for free, where people can just hop in, uh, get what they want out of it, 
uh, maybe realize, oh, this is buggy, I don't want to play this again, it gets fixed, and then there's not much of a risk to go back to it because it's still in your library from Game Pass, and maybe you know someone who's also playing it there as well. Uh, that's To me, that's definitely the strongest aspect of the free-to-play game is just uh, having the, the lack of commitment to it and just being able to just hop back in uh, with a friend even who... Uh, there's no risk for them to get into the game also. And for Battlefield, if you still have a friend who's playing as someone who's who's still kind of invested into this game at that point in time when the fixes come around and kind of bring back other people that they know, like, hey, hey, it's better now. Come on, we can try this again. It's going to be fine. I, I think that still can be a strength to it. It all depends on where it's going to go at launch. And I, I don't remember what last year's Call of Duty was. The, do you guys remember Cold what it War. was? Was it a Black Ops? Yeah, Black Ops Cold, Cold War. War. You're right. Cold War, that's right. Um, I I think that sold very well. And sure, we're comparing it to Call of Duty, which is not fair in any way. But I, I wouldn't say Battlefield is like not a notable IP either. Like It's still it's DICE that does. What was the last thing DICE did, honestly, now that I think about Probably it? Probably Battlefield Five, if I had to guess. Battlefield Five, yeah. Did they only do Battlefield? I thought they had something else up their sleeve at some point. Um they made Battlefront as well. Yes, they did. Battlefront. That's what that's the other thing they were juggling for a while. And that's probably not gonna happen again, considering, you know, Battlefront two. Do, Who, who's forgotten that? No, 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 no. Battlefront two was still very popular. Well, it rebounded it it's yeah. true, but like with the license still, like sure people are happy with it now, but like the just the story of Battlefront Two and where it was at launch still rings with people, and I'm sure Disney is not. I don't. That. I don't think it does. I think most people have forgotten it and moved on. I don't think anyone's still bitching about Battlefront Two DLC and microtransactions. If they were to announce a Battlefront Three, I bet it would receive mostly positive. I rece- I think. If they were to release a Battlefront 3, we would feel like we're going crazy because we would probably relive history with them doing something fucked up at release, it not working, charging for bullshit stuff, and then they do the apology tour, and then eventually we have the comeback around of Battlefront 3 is good again because this actually, it's kind of a dice trend. I'm, I'm wondering right now, if we should kind of like take dice to task and like, can we, can we declare them or maybe, maybe, maybe we can blame it more on EA. Can we declare them like a bad developer seeing as they continually like release broken games and games that make people very angry given the practices they partake in. If we're going to start going at, Broken games upon launch. I want to look at Bethesda and Bethesda only because I feel like they are the kings of it. Oh at least, like Elder Scrolls Fallout, that Bethesda, they deserve the most shit out of anyone else in the industry. I think if we are going to start swinging that bat around, I I definitely think they deserve shit. But um, I don't know, especially with Dice's emphasis on multiplayer majority of the time and their multiplayer typically not working very well to start out like i remember the the main battlefield game that i liked was battlefield 3 and i remember that had kind of a launch hell as well and then battlefield 4 came out and had a launch hell and then battlefield 5 came out and it had a launch hell battlefield 1 
might have been kind of solid, if I remember correctly. Um, when they decide to take the Xbox naming conventions for some reason. I'm looking at their at their catalog, and it's mainly Battlefield, Battlefront, and they have Mirror's Edge Catalyst. They made Mirror's Edge Catalyst? What the fuck? And I think they made the original Mirror's Edge. Yeah, that's what it looks like. That, that, that's, that does not seem like a dice game at all. That's really fucking weird. I mean, that was so long ago. That was probably before EA kind of put them in their place to be like, okay, you just do this now. No creative freedom. Now... My last point on this, uh, as I was just thinking about the Battlefield series in general and how it it never really clicked with me that well because it, it was a little too realistic. It's art style. I could never really see any of the enemies. Um, I was never competitive, whereas I, I like to think of myself as like pretty competitive in the Call of Duty games. And that's one reason why I still I still like Call of Duty to this day. Um, I was thinking a cool kind of pivot that Battlefield could take in the future, but I doubt they would ever be willing to change the formula this much. Since their whole thing is like big battlefields, get together with your squad and your squad is like one of one of 60 players on your team and you can blow up a ton of shit. What if they just made it like a huge like sea of thieves type warfare game. I, I feel like that would be a cool um, alternative way for them to take the series in a different direction, find fans that wouldn't have been fans otherwise and make a game that we just, we don't really see. We've never really seen like the, you're going around a battlefield type of MMO that isn't in space. Like, a mm-hmm. destiny type thing. I think this battlefield is the first step towards something like that. Cause I don't know if you guys know, I've, I've watched the trailer and heard a little bit of it, but it doesn't sound like that. Granted, there's no single player campaign, so there's no story it's trying to tell either. So it's not, it's also not trying to depict itself in any set of like war or anything. Like it is very far removed from anything real and very much a setting for a sandbox, so to speak. Like, like they don't want to try to really get too much into the military aspect of it and try to tell some war story. It's just these are soldiers, and we're going to throw shit into this 128-player match uh, to see what sticks. And maybe, I think, creatively speaking for the game, that's going to be very interesting to see what they go ahead with and try to experiment with things that we might not see in like a, a large military shooter setting, and that could definitely evolve into something more. Uh, like I, I don't know if Battlefield, this Battlefield is going to turn into something like a Fortnite with how how experimental it's gotten with a lot of things they've thrown into the game but now is the time to do it i, I think with with uh the direction uh they're going with this one i think i think they're going to get caught in between two different ideas here because they still want to be the call of duty competitor but at the same time they don't really look very much like call of duty Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I also, I don't know where I heard it from. I heard there's like five studios working on this game. And what last point on Battlefield, I swear, this is actually my last one. Big Battlefield revival. Let's all get excited. Let's 
cut out the campaign which a significant amount of the audience actually really likes and i remember specifically battlefield one having a really well-regarded campaign and i'm not necessarily the one to speak on it because i don't i don't typically play these games for the campaign but i think there are a lot of people that do like i i just don't understand this decision anymore we've seen the multiplayer only game fail so many times in these types of franchises I just don't know why they're going down that route. Like it's strange because I, to to close on this too, I don't want to go much further. Uh, we the statistics the statistics have always been there that have how few people actually engage with that single player campaign. Even though we look at Titanfall, where we know that game didn't do very well either, but Titanfall two we all know was sent out to die in between a lot of bigger EA even releases at the time. The week and in the, between Battlefield and Call of Duty. Yeah, literally in between the biggest shooters at the time. And I think Battlefield still has that brand name and that will still carry it far enough, at least for a decent start. And whatever whatever DICE wants to do with it at that point, whatever direction they want to take that uh, start, like that audience they've kind of developed up to this point in time, uh, will determine what they, where it goes and where people will fizzle off from it. I agree. Let's, I need to intro the podcast. Hello. Oh my god, this is the BNY Gaming Podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me, the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I'm doing spiffy. No, I said, how are you, Peter? I am spiffy. State of being, spiffy. That is, an, uh, that is a legitimate answer to his inquiry. I am Spiffy. And on the West Coast, Mark Gorski. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I I made a dis- I made a purchase yesterday that I didn't think I was going to do. I, I pulled the trigger on a game. I, I sent it to you guys in our, our group chat, and that's that I bought and pre-ordered the new Ratchet & Clank game coming out tomorrow as of recording. And I wasn't going to get it unless it had a 95 or higher on Metacritic. But... Just from looking at it, uh, and every all the nice things people are still saying about it, and the cool Rhino Eight gun that is in it. I don't know if you've heard of this cool gun that is just filled with Easter eggs. I don't want to go into depth with it because it's it sounds really cool, and I don't want to spoil that from anybody who's going to play the game. Did and don't know about it. Did, was this gun in some way referenced on their Twitter? Yeah, a lot of times, actually. Okay, well, people can look at their Twitter if they want it referenced, but it does seem like it's a cool thing that if you don't want it spoiled, don't. Uh, oh, we're not going to spoil it here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... Actually, I don't know if I would play Ratchet and Clank or not, because I, I don't know if I love when the mascot platformers are also shooters. Like, I tried playing ratchet and clank 2016 and i just wasn't that into it and everyone says that this is significantly better based on reviews but the added layer i still don't have a ps5 so it doesn't matter what i think yeah hands are tied there um i would very much like to play it eventually i just have so much on my plate right now but ratchet and clank rift apart will be played by me at some point this year mark it down everyone remember this Let's get into what we've been playing. Not to not to hype it up too much, but I would say I have a pretty exciting week, and I want to save myself for last. Does anyone want to volunteer to go first? 
I will go first because I have the least to contribute. I did not play Warzone in this last week, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's just, I'm just, it, Mass Effect is all that matters right now. I beat two a couple days ago, and it is still one of my favorite games of all time, and it still has quite possibly my favorite ending mission, or just my favorite ending to a game out of anything I've played. I've started Mass Effect 3, and it improves on the gameplay so much, but narratively, I have so many problems with this fucking game. And I can't say them because spoilers and people who we are friends with may, who listen to this podcast, I don't believe. Yeah, no, well, they haven't finished the game or played it at all, and they plan to in the future. So all I will say is right now, Mass Effect 3 is going fine. It's going just fine. Not amazing. It's going just fine. Is there... And I haven't played anything else. Is there any aspect of, like, this isn't as bad as I remember, or is it is it all fitting like a glove of being being just as bad if not worse mass effect 3 so far i will not say is oh it's i wouldn't say the story is awful it's so bad i can't believe it it's more so disappointing it's so serviceable at some level but the two games that came before it were just on such a higher caliber of quality and this game narratively just does not come close to that bar. I feel like there's a lot of this Mass Effect 3 is lazier in a lot of ways. It has a lot of convenient plot machinations that are that exist purely to just drive the plot forward and they don't really feel well thought out or planned out. They just feel like, oh fuck, we're at Mass Effect 3. We need a MacGuffin. We need some sort of plot device to really move shit along. Because, if I remember correctly, the two main writers of Mass Effect 1 and 2 left Bioware right as Mass Effect 3 began. So, the ones who wrote Mass Effect 3 in the end really made their own narrative. They went off of their own beaten path. They decided, you know what, those guys left. We're going to make our own ending of Mass Effect 3. And make our own story. And what I would give to convince those two guys... To have never left Bioware. Or to at least wait. Because why the... I don't know their personal life. Maybe they have very valid reasons. Why would you leave... When you've already made two games in a trilogy? Why back out now when you don't even get to finish the story you started telling all those years ago? I'll never understand this. I wonder... I wonder how involved... These two guys that you're referring to... Were in just general bioware things because i don't know they're one of the most interesting studios to look at going forward because even though like a game like dragon age inquisition was like mostly well received and i think it even won game of the year in like a pretty weak year it did but uh like some podcasts that i follow that are a little heavier in like rpgs and stuff don't necessarily look back on that game fondly they don't hate it, but also don't think it's as good as it was regarded in its time. A lot of Bioware was was writing, and a lot of their games succeeded because of writing, despite kind of poor gameplay. 
And as they've gotten better with their gameplay, it seems like their writing has gotten worse. And I don't know. It'll just be really interested, interesting to see what the next iteration of Mass Effect and Dragon Age look like with modern Bioware. I want, well, I want them to, to get back. We won't be get, if if that next Dragon Age doesn't do well. Don't worry about Mass Effect because we're not gonna fucking get it because I don't see Bioware existing if that next Dragon Age bombs. That would be unfortunate. It would be, yeah, it, it, even though what we're implying is that maybe Bioware today is not what Bioware once was. It would still be sad to see that type of thing happen to a studio with such a legacy. It would be heartbreaking. Mark Gorski, what have you been up to? I don't have a very exciting week either. Next next week, though, I'll have a lot more things to talk about. The only thing I've really been uh, knocking away at is more 14, and I'm Final Fantasy 14. I'm almost done with the first expansion, and uh, I got to, a, just last night, a very heart-wrenching plot point. A character I loved is no longer with us anymore, and I don't know how I don't know how to take it, really. It was really painful. I'm sorry for your that's, loss. That's all I got. Yeah. I was about to say, really, I'll go light very, the candles. I'm so sorry. Yeah, very solemn. Like this character, this this character, when it was a very dangerous situation, uh, gave their life to try to protect me. My character stood in front of them, shield up, and this this crystal, very very spiky crystal, just pierces through their shield and then through their torso and blood just pours out of their mouth. It's always the spiky crystals. Yeah, spiky Always, crystal. every fucking time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, that's all I got. Sorry, everybody. I'm still mourning. Let listeners, please send your thoughts and prayers to Mark. I know he would appreciate them. <laughs> I gotta finish this expansion before November, please. Now, as I teased, I, I have a lot here. And I'm I'm gonna take it in order. I'm gonna say least exciting to most exciting. Least exciting. I don't typically bring up Rocket League, even though I play it a ton every week. But I went from gold to platinum this past week. I really improved my rotations. I started winning almost every game I was in. Part of me is wary that um, that maybe I was just on a good run, just a a win streak that lasted longer than usual and it will all come crashing down soon enough. And then I'll be back to like silver three or something, but I genuinely think I've improved at this game and I'm pretty pumped that I moved up and I've, I've solidified myself in platinum for the most part. So I'm not really that worried about a major, I'm not that worried about a major drop off, but yes, I have solidified myself in platinum. You'll never fall out of platinum. You're saying it right here on the record. I'm not saying that on the record, but I, I'm just, I'm happy with my positioning at the moment. Uh, if any, if any fans out there want to challenge Owen to a match of Rocket League so he can improve his platinum medal, please, please, and do just it. snuff out any little light of positivity he has in this game. Yeah, no, no, I think most normal people i could i could take on in rocket league um normal people. no by normal people That's i mean like freaks who hook themselves up the rocket league in their veins if there's like a person that their opinion on rocket league is just like oh yeah i like it 
that probably means that they're not like playing 15 matches every day when they get home from work. That's my assumption of that person anyway. Um, but yeah, that's all I need to say on Rocket League. Another game I started. We're actually going to talk about the game club <laughs> leading up to it a little bit this time so that we don't Ooh. we don't thrust an episode upon people randomly. But I started Psychonauts and I'm not going to give a ton of insight as to what I did. I, I mainly just did the first level and I'm into it. I have thoughts that I won't give. I think it's entertaining. I always thought that um, that I would like Psychonauts if I played it. And now that I've started it, I still believe in that opinion that I will end up liking this game. Will. Keyword will. He doesn't right now. No, no. no, no don't, don't read too much into it. Don't read too much into it. Um, next game. I played about 90 minutes of Days Gone. Ooh, wow. Yeah. And... It's, it's a game that definitely gives you a lot to have opinions on early on. Now, a lot of it is kind of grain of salt territory because I've played about 90 minutes. By the time I finished playing, I felt like the game was going to start to open up. But <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of different aspects to this. First off, on my base PS4, doesn't run very well. And that that alone might be enough to make me at least put it down and maybe maybe try it again down the line when I get a PS5 and I can see it running somewhat well. But I notice a lot of frame rate drops, and that can be very frustrating, of course. And it's only at 30 frames to begin with, and it's definitely a game that I think would be aided by 60 frames. The story, I don't have a ton of opinions on, Besides the fact that a lot of the game in nature is disjointed, like the the intro of the game, the intro of the game like definitely feels like it wants to it wants to capture a little bit of like the Last of Us intro. Not quite not quite that serious, but it wants to give you like a dramatic backstory that will buy you into some of the characters immediately doesn't really do that and then when you actually get into the game it's like two years later and you find out a little bit of the stuff that i guess happened off screen and there's a lot of tutorial stuff and it's a game that has a lot of cutscenes in moments that don't need cutscenes. like there's one moment in kind of like a traffic tunnel where you're just like throwing Molotov cocktails into the nests of of the freakers, not the zombies, the freakers. But it's it's different. It's unique. Yes. Very different. Um and basically every ten steps within this tunnel, another cutscene would start. And that was frustrating. The bike I want to get to a point at least where I start upgrading the bike. Because right now, when I drive it, I feel like I'm on ice. And I, I had high hopes for the motorcycle coming into this. Because I thought, like, if 
if people are finding enjoyment in this game, the motorcycle must feel good to ride. And right now I don't have that opinion. And I hope that something changes that along the way. All of that being said, it's a game that like kind of wears its flaws on its sleeve. Yet I still understand how people could be entertained with it. I'm not sure, like, uh, the main review I recall, I'm pretty sure IGN gave it, like, a 5.5. I don't think it's, like, it's probably not a 5.5 bad, but I don't know. I Inconclusive right now. But as I said, it's a game that gives you a lot to chew on right away as to like how you feel about different decisions that they're making with it. Now I know what the listeners are thinking. God damn it. Owen, you fucking fell off persona again. You played all these dumb games. You started psychonauts and days gone of all things. What the fuck? Well, I am pleased to report. I have beaten and platinumed persona five Royal. He platinumed. Holy shit. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Now, for some clarification, it is a it's a good platinum because it, it's one that mostly comes naturally throughout the game. There's a few moments where you have to go out of your way. Like I compared it to the original Persona 5 trophy list, and my god. Oh my god, yeah. The, that's rough that that fucking trophy list dude that is crazy I, the things they ask you to i mean do. that trophy list seems like it would take like three or four playthroughs honestly um at least two and you have to really know what you're doing like one of them is specifically read every book in the game which sounds like oh, okay well how bad could that be but if you haven't played persona 5 like there's a lot of books that are only available for like a month at times or like certain months in the game the the game has a timeline spanning over i want to say close to a year so like there's just a lot of things of managing time so carefully and with the knowledge of when and when you cannot do a thing like it's 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 a lot to manage it's a lot to know about this game to just get one trophy at times the persona 5 royal trophy list is a lot of story related ones a lot of kind of exploration and mini game related ones that really just require you to like seek out this activity and do it once. And then you can get that trophy. The only one that gave me any trouble that I loaded back and got, uh, I got it yesterday is there's a certain confidant in the game that will unlock different things for you. And I, I really didn't even know that this confidant was a thing throughout most of the game. I forgot that I was ever given like the tasks to do this. And then I started to realize that towards the end of what I would call the main game. And I started it, but it didn't really make very much progress at all. And then once I got into Royal content, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to bang out this trophy. I haven't gotten. And the confidant is just gone in Royal content. Um, I, yeah, it's just gone. You can't do it. It's, Maybe you would know from memory if if anyone wants to mark this down, if they plan to play Persona 5 Royal, the strength confidant goes away in Royal content. Can't do it anymore. I'm looking this up. What the heck? Yeah. That sounds very familiar. Um, 
I I can't I can't say more. It's too spoilery to uh to say why it may go away. But um, in general, I did love the game. I loved grinding in the game, which is very rare for me to say. I loved all of the life sim systems, and I even loved the combat. Does that mean that the game justifies its length? Not quite sure on that. Like there's, there's definitely things that could have been cut, but at the same time with it being so long, like I feel like I played through almost like 10 seasons of an anime pretty much. And like, I just spend so much time with the people in it. And I love all the characters so much. Um, it's hard to argue that they do, they do get results out of the length of time because I definitely felt attached to it. And I've been getting that feeling of like, even though I wanted it done so bad now that it's done, like I, I do kind of miss it a little bit, but overall I'm very happy to have it done. It's been 24 episodes of this podcast. I've been talking about it and I had started it long before that. So I can finally move on to different things and I'm ready to move on. We can now officially say we are mostly persona five Royal certified podcast at BNY gaming. If only we could become a fully persona five Royal certified podcast. If only, if only, but if only all of us like JRPGs here, unfortunately all of us do not like JRPGs. You you got something you want to say? You got something on the mind there, brother? I I think I've said it already. I think I've said it before. Okay. Peter doesn't like JRPGs, everybody. I'm I'm trying to put the case together. But, I'm working on it. But I'm gonna get to the root. If Nintendo said that they were releasing a new one, he would say, you know, I'm I'm happy to see that for the people that want it. He definitely would. He absolutely would. This is actually where I would draw the line because I feel like Nintendo directs too way too much lately. We'll just randomly steer off and talk about a random fucking JRPG for fifteen to twenty minutes that ten people will buy. And everyone will just be looking at their watches and they start getting nervous, thinking to themselves, well, this is only a 45-minute direct and this game's gotten like 13 minutes so far. What the fuck's going on? I always think... Metopia a JRPG to you, Peter? Are you calling Metopia a JRPG? No, um, but that's not... I'm not talking about Metopia. I heard you, I heard Metopia so you, is like 40 hours long. It's It's not a short game. I know that much, but it's not... I, I don't want to say like it's too long, but 40 hours is 40 hours. Make with that what you will. I know Peter's definitely referencing I, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, the remake. That's the one you hate right now. That's on your mind. That's the. Fre- I feel like I don't want to say the freshest JRPG Nintendo's been talking about. It came out, of course, but is that is that what you're trying to yell about, Peter? I mean, sure. I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> no, you, you I, literally played Shin Megami Tensei 4. And you're t- yeah, I don't know what Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne is. Well, I'm not saying I don't know what Shin Megami Tensei is. I'm just saying I've never, if that is a game they've talked about, then sure. Well, seeing as you just gave me the whole title of the game, it sounds like you know what it is. Because it's... I, I you just it. repeated what Mark said! <laughs> I did just say it. Yeah, no, to to be fair... I'm listening to what he's saying! To be fair, to be fair, Mark only called it Nocturne. You added the three. Therefore, no, he didn't. He... I Mark, didn't you said Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. 
I think I did. I, I wanted yeah. I wanted to lie and say I didn't, but you see, I'm not gonna I'm You're not gonna do that. Calling me out for listening to what Mark is saying now. Next, That's where we're fucking at. Next week's episode will will be clarifying whether Mark added the three or not. <laughs> but anyway. That could be what's on my mind. I don't know. Because nowadays, whenever Nintendo just decides, we're going to spend the next third of this Direct talking about a JRPG barely anyone fucking cares about. Barely anyone. I've been told that there's always someone for these games at Nintendo Directs. I'm not talking about Nintendo First Party, to be clear. I'm talking about these random third-party games that find their time to shine on this Direct stage. Can I just say something that I've always thought of? Not always, but ever since this edition has been made. I do not like the current announcer of Nintendo Directs. The English announcer. He always sounds so stilted and so boring. And I never feel like I'm in there. You know what I mean? Whenever he's talking about a game, it just... It sounds like it came straight out of like a marketing corporate room. And it just sounds so generic. And I just don't care for that guy. I feel like he takes me out of Nintendo Directs. I wish they would get someone else. No, no disrespect to that man at all or his personal life. He could very well be like a, a very charitable member of his community. I just don't care for the direction he is given for these Nintendo Directs. I think that's a fine Dude. take. It, it is a pretty dry delivery. He'll... This... This announcer will always stick with me because during the Metopia uh, announcement, when they had that, they he had a really clever pun uh, where there's a part in the trailer where there's a horse that's playable in the game. Uh-huh. And he describes that feature, a playable horse, as pretty barn good, <laughs> referencing a barn where like, a horse burn it is. Down. Like, fucking burn it down and start over. Like, that kind of shit. Like he's always, what are you that, talking that, about? That's the best That's thing. the type of personality I want to see out of my English announcer. But I don't know. I I, just, I don't feel like there's any like wah, emotion wah, behind wah. it. It just feels like he's a guy reading a fucking script. And he is. But I, I want it to be better. Because Nintendo has been better. Wah, and I just... Bill Trinidad... Bill Trennan is the one is the best English translator they have had so far, and I don't know where the hell he went. As soon as Reggie left, Bill was not in the public eye of Nintendo at all anymore. I feel like, and I miss him greatly. I mean, I miss Iwata, but Iwata set the bar really high for every single thing that they do. Yes, well. he did. You want authentic Iwata oozed authenticity every fucking time he was behind the camera, and I miss him dearly. It would be nice. We we really haven't gotten a like a Nintendo presentation that actually has Nintendo personality to it in a long time. The last one I would say is Nintendo's E3 2017. That was Reggie's last E3. It was a fucking great conference. Every game just spoke for themselves. You had Reggie show up at the beginning and then one more time at the end. And it 
ever since then, I mean, and this next part will sound foolish because they've always been commercials, but they Nintendo Directs feel way more like commercials than they ever have before. And I don't know how they fix that, but I desperately hope they do. And they also just kind of have more of like, and I, I suppose this could add to the commercially corporate feel. It it feels like I don't even know the Japan head's name who pre- who presents it, and I know Doug Bowser, but I feel like he's rarely shown compared to how Reggie was. Um, yeah, no, Doug Bowser's not not for that kind of role. I don't think I don't think he wants to do that. It feels like they're giving like a PowerPoint. Yes. Fucking yes, and it didn't. It did not used to feel like that, and I, I don't know. I cannot, and I keep swallowing so much and taking a breath because I have canker sores. I know, gross, but I have to explain myself. What the heck? I don't know what the fuck happened. Ever since Iwata died, I feel like Nintendo has slowly, but sh- and slowly and slowly, but surely, just streamlining their marketing and Nintendo Directs way more than they ever did before. And I realize how fucking stupid that sounds. Peter, you want your marketing from a fucking corporation to have a fa- like fancy pictures and colors and nice wheels on it? Yes, I do. Because if I'm going to buy a product, I at least want a nice song and dance before I buy the product. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wanna- yet you will talk shit about Just Dance when it shows up on the Ubisoft and they give you a dance. <laughs> And a song. Did I have some sort of, like, strong Just Dance rant before? Because holy shit. I well, have... I mean, like, in our personal lives, I feel like you have. I'm not sure if you've done so on the podcast. This is true. I just know in the past, you're not a big... Like, historically, I don't think you've been a big Just Dance guy at E3. Uh, are you a big Just Dance fan? Did I fucking step on your cereal or something? Yeah. What did I do? Uh, who steps on people's series? Apparently, I did because Just Dance is your highlight of E3, and I just it's, don't show the respect they it's, deserve. It's definitely a highlight that they come together to do this. Like anything that's like highly produced to any any extent, whether it kind of comes off as cringy or not, by the end of it, is very welcome at any time at E3. I I don't want to bring up a, a, an example of why I don't like these. But you may have to cut it because I don't know how you guys will feel with this with this moment. But I'm gonna try it anyway. Okay, oh just just shoot from the hip. We'll we'll see how we take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. I will never fucking forget. It was I think it was the last time Aisha Tyler hosted one of the Ubisoft E3 conferences, and they fucking start the show. With Just Dance going along to Jason Thrill or God knows what. And then, as the Just Dance crew is still on stage, you have Aisha Tyler come out and talk about how Ubisoft has their thoughts and prayers with the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting. Yeah, While there's a fucking pink polka dot giraffe with a fucking fedora staring at me, standing right behind Aisha Tyler. Now, and I, that's one of those moments where it's like, maybe have the fucking neon like lion step off stage before we start talking about the real life atrocities that we are dealing with on a day to day basis. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. But I just looked at that and I thought, maybe this is either at best distasteful or at worst really fucking stupid. Now, I, I don't think that's a cuttable take because i remember that and thinking uh just in general it seemed relatively distasteful 
I'm not sure exactly what the tasteful way to do it, and I'm sure no one was severely offended by it, but it was definitely a strange moment worthy of critique. Maybe maybe they should have just gotten ahead of it before uh, any of the performance stuff happened. They could have, like... I mean, hell, I mean, all you have to do is get the fucking giraffe off stage. Like, Phil Spencer and Sean Layden both came out that year, and they all the bells and whistles were turned off for a moment while they just discussed the severity of what had happened. Yeah, I think I that's just, like, the move. That's the really move. fucking stupid. Yeah, you don't have to do this whole, just, Lily, if anything, either do it before, actually, maybe not do it before the dance, but just get the fucking animals off the stage. That's all I'm saying. Just fucking knock that off before, before we talk about, and I do think they should have talked about it, but it was just a weird and kind of bad look. Not something they should be canceled over or any absurd shit like that. Just looking back as we are about to with E3 memories, that's one of the ones I'll never forget about of, I feel like we could have avoided this, but we didn't, and now we have to sit in this. Now, I I feel like we're we're bordering on main topic territory, and we can just kind of say that we started now. One thing I, I actually want to add quickly on my persona stuff, 114 hours. That's why I ended up. Very important. Um, Too important. Yeah, I had to get it out there. I, I mean, it's definitely important. Comparing to me, no, I mean, I'm not giving old shit for saying that. I think it's important that Owen is saying that. I just think it's it's the fact that the game is too fucking long. Just, That's what I'm getting maybe at. Maybe I should have gotten the giraffe off stage before I said it. Maybe you fucking should have, because <laughs> now that giraffe is just staring at me. He's got a monocle on. He's got a fucking toupee. And I don't care for him. I don't like how he's fucking looking at me, Owen. I, I want you to know, Peter, I am looking at the shot of the Ubisoft 2016 E3 conference, and there is not a giraffe on stage. What? Then what what give me that? The animal to Tyler right now. What is this? There's a spaceman. Somebody has wings. They're getting, they're gathering. There's a draft. There's a fucking draft. Yeah, the draft. Fucking told you. Be, you got it. There is a yeah. draft. Told you. The most whimsical character on the stage is the draft. With a monocle top hat and a blue bow tie. I fucking knew it! I put all these years later. And he's, every time I close my eyes at night, I see that fucking giraffe talking to me about real, real world problems. Now you know this is stuck with Peter for such a long time. So deeply, so personal. He remembers this. I remember what that motherfucker was wearing on that day, on that time, on that stage. Now, I kind of like what we've stumbled into here. And we still plan our original plan was talk about like the nature of leaks around e3 and i want to touch on that at some point here but peter you kind of mentioned it before recording because you thought this was the topic how to make a good e3 presentation and we'll have seen a lot of e3 presentations but at this moment in the timeline and i kind of want to keep going down this road what what does a company like ubisoft let's let's get the third parties all in the same boat. Ubisoft, Square Enix. Um, I don't know who else is going off the top of my head, to be honest. This Bethesda year? would have been in this category, but Bethesda no longer gets to be yeah. with the third parties. Correct. Let's lump the third parties together. I find that they always have the most underwhelming conferences by far. What do they need to do to have successful E3 conferences this year, Peter. 
I think Ubisoft has fixed this, but just in case they still have it. No more live music. Fucking stop. There are very few times in E3 where I can think of when live music actually added to the experience. The main mo the main time I think of was either E3 2015 or 2016, how they started that PlayStation conference with the live God of War music. Takes you to another fucking world. I want to make sure you're ready. I don't, you don't, I, I'm not sure what you're about to see. All you know is you're fucking in there. Whatever they're about to show you, they have brought you along. They've immersed you enough that you are down and willing to give them your all if they're about to give you their I all. believe. Whereas Ubisoft. I was going to say, I believe that was 2015 because 2015 was the year that PlayStation really fired on all cylinders, if I remember correctly. It's quite possibly the greatest E3 conference I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I, don't, I cannot think of many that come close to it. But that's one thing. When you have Jason Derulo come and sing It Girl on the stage when you've only shown off two mediocre Tom Clancy games, it's not the fucking move. And... I know they're not third party anymore. I think Bethesda is also quite possibly the worst culprit of this. And it's one of the, another reason why I'm happy they got bought by Microsoft. One thing I think that Ubisoft does that is to their own detriment is that they over explain their games sometimes. Far Cry is a prime example of games that I think they spend way too much time divulging and talking about unless they actually are going to significantly change up the formula of their franchise which i never fucking think they will because the game sells too well and if it's not broken don't fix it they they just they go into every excruciating detail about titles that do not warrant that type of coverage in my opinion and also i just think now, this is less more of a E3 conference and more so their own development cycle, but considering the E3 is where they mainly show off their games, they have way too much Tom Clancy. They don't have a lot of variety. A lot of Ubisoft presentations, you already know what you're getting as before the conference has even begun. You're getting a Tom Clancy first-person shooter, a Tom Clancy third-person action-adventure game, and probably a Tom Clancy mobile game. I just think Ubisoft has the tools to be better, and they've never acted on it. We have, oh, and you and I have watched, I feel like over the last five or six years, we've watched most of the E3 conferences together. I cannot think of a single time we finished a Ubisoft conference and said to ourselves, that was fucking awesome. I think Ubisoft is the, the best when it comes to third party at having potential of like making a B like yep, a, 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 great, a B a grade point. conference is pretty solid for them because that probably means that probably means they maybe had one of the good far cry trailers because uh, it's a whole conversation for another day. Cause it ties into like the whole political controversy. I guess you could call it with far cry, but far cry marketing is very two faced. And, yes, it is. And the the trailers that tend to lean on like there's real intrigue to this area, and there's something kind of sinister, and there's this interesting villain that you want to get to know. When it leans on that, it's good. 
but then when it decides like huh, you got your goofy buddies with your crazy gun and you're just gonna go shoot things i think those are bad far cry trailers um well the problem is they they grip you by having trailers that hint at a more serious narrative and actually going to be tackling important topics and issues and then like you said the second one is look your silly friend fly over in an airplane and shoot out of it with an ak-47 who is it really funny please buy that that was honestly one of the most disappointing trailers i've ever seen because i'm a big fan Five started off so fucking good it had such a great initial trailer and then everything else they showed afterwards it's like a wacky zany saints row kind of looking game it's like no 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 that's not what you promised i did not show up for a saints row silly game i wanted what you fucking promised me and then it never comes to fruition and i don't i never understand why i ever expect anything from far cry i Completely agree. Back to what I was saying, though. Um, other things that are included in a pretty good Ubisoft show. It seems like the better conferences always have a Watch Dogs game because Watch Dogs shows really well. It shows much better than the games ultimately end up being. And I agree. Then beyond that, I mean, there's appeal. There's appeal to seeing the new Assassin's Creed and whatever the new Tom Clancy games are because whenever they try to fool you into thinking that beyond good and evil two is still being made. Those are always better conferences. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I kind of think weirdly, even though a lot of people, I remember a lot of people complaining about Aisha Tyler back in the day. Um, I don't really remember if it was warranted or not. I do remember some pretty awkward humor, but um, in general, I feel like they haven't really hit on a solid conference since back then. I, I don't have any memories of a solid Ubisoft conference in the last like three or four years. I remember 2017 being a pretty good conference for Ubisoft. That was when they showed their full hand was the Vendi. And I don't remember if Mario and Rabbids was that same year. The same year as Beyond Good and Evil, and they had Skull of uh, Skull and Bones. It was, it was because 2017 was Switch's first year, so that was definitely when. Yeah, I remember that. No, you're totally right because I watched yeah. that with Owen and a friend of ours, and I was going into that year with my head in my hands about Mario Rabbit's thinking, "Why the fuck would they do this?" And then Owen will remember this as soon as they showed off that blue grid for gameplay. I immediately shot the fuck up, and I loved Mario and Rabbit's when I played it. I remember Ubisoft being a contender for one of the better conferences that year, even like that, that was a very great year for Ubisoft. And we, we've talked to death about it, about how it's like, Oh, this is because they were really in a corner and had to really look as good as they possibly could, whether or not they're going to deliver on these games. A lot of the, a few of those games that were, uh, I want to say remembered them being skull and bones beyond good and evil Two, nowhere to be seen still. But, no, I didn't. They end beyond. Didn't they end that year with Beyond Good and Evil Two? Yeah, and then the next year they brought it back to talk about a lot more of it. They showed more gameplay of it, or there was a lot that there was a lot a lot of gameplay that showed up after that. But they also announced that they were putting fan creations into the game. I remember that a lot of people caused the stir of that of trying to get free labor out of people at the time. Uh, which well, was there was a celebrity associated with that, wasn't it? What was it? Fucking Elijah Wood. 
I don't remember if it was Elijah Wood or not. But 2018 Ubisoft is one I don't remember very well, whereas 2017 and 2019 I remember very well. And 2019 being, I think, the worst Ubisoft conference I've ever seen. And I'm, I really am worried because, A, that's the most recent one that we're kind of bang, uh, going off of here. Uh, and it was 90% to me just Tom Clancy anything. E3 2019 was really fucking bad. I think overall E3 2019 for everybody was bad, but Ubisoft, it was atrocious. I mean, was... I don't think... I don't remember if 2019 was the first E3 without Sony. It was. was It It was? I think that was part of it. Like, everyone kind of had to deal with that, and everyone was wondering, is this really the last E3 also? Like, uh, I, I remember Nintendo's E3 2019 very well. I remember Ubisoft. One of that year. Yeah. I. What was Microsoft about? I remember Bethesda was... Oh, no. The fine. entire Xbox One generation, I feel like every year Microsoft dipped its toes into being a great conference, and then they said, nah, fuck it, and then they decided not to be. And every year with Xbox... I mean, I'm about, I, I, we could very well be doing it again this year with telling ourselves... This is when Microsoft's going to get it. They bought all these studios. They've pumped them with money. This has to be the year it pays off. I could very well look like a fucking asshole a week from now when we're recording and saying, yep, they fucked it up. This has been another bad Xbox conference. But Xbox always has so much potential, and I just feel like they squandered, especially for a time now when PlayStation is no longer there, and they're more friends with enemies than they are Nintendo. Everyone's eyes... The Xbox and Bethesda showcase on Sunday is by far the one that will have the most eyes on it. They every they have everyone's attention. There's no reason it should be bad. There's really no fucking reason it should be a bad conference. But who knows? Now, here's a I I think it was technically E3 memory. What was your guys's take on the Sony conference? It was the one where they had the gimmick of changing rooms, and that failed horribly. Oh, but, but what what was God. Peter? What was your take on the content of that conference? Do you remember it much at all? I mean, it was Last of Us Part Two. It was Ghost of Tsushima. It was Spider Man twenty eighteen. Re two remake got revealed. What Another was, Kingdom was... Hearts trailer showed up here, where a Kingdom Hearts three trailer was at almost every conference that year. And also, don't forget the Kingdom Hearts 3 marketing where they would just cut out all of the game sound and you would just hear the characters grunting. and That was... (laughs) Well, don't think twice as awkwardly playing in the background and we all look to ourselves, what the fuck is this? That was horrifying. Uh, Like... Every single one! (laughs) Genuinely can't believe that, like, were those trailers edited by a 15-year-old? Like... It's it's unbelievable that a massive company like Square Enix put something like that out. But but back to my question. Multiple back to my question. Times. That that Sony conference I feel like gets a lot of shit because their gimmick didn't work. But at the same time, I really respected that that year they knew like we really have three tentpole games. We're gonna have a couple other things we talk about. And I swear there was a fourth. I fucking swear there was a fourth. I, I, like remember, I, I, I remember three. Um, 
But it wasn't Days Gone, was it? I don't think so. I don't think so. But um, it wasn't Death Stranding, was it? No, it was. It Ooh, was. It was. It, might have been. it was Death Stranding. I'm, sure. I'm I'm looking it up now. But you guys keep going. I'll, I'll I'll figure this out for us. I just think one of Microsoft's biggest flaws has been quantity over quality over the years, and they can pepper you with the world premiere sound as many times as they want and then you care about maybe 10% of the games maybe um and i really respected that i think it was 2017 2018 when uh when playstation yeah their gimmick didn't work but they they knew what they had and they showed what they had and i wish that microsoft would take that approach more i think they're in a good place this year though and we're speaking in the future right now so who knows how we'll feel about this next week when we actually talk about it but um especially even if they don't if they're not firing on all cylinders first party i think there's a chance that they put together a pretty good show by showing some surprising like day one game pass games there's a lot of ways that things can go well for them this year so many, in fact, that if we walk away on Sunday saying, what a mediocre conference, I don't know if Xbox could ever produce a quality E3 showing ever again. They're, they're, I feel like they're doing more. It's, I can't say that anymore. I feel like... Yeah, I was saying, you it's couldn't even finish thing. that sentence. It's, I, 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 I say it every time. So do I! Everyone says it now. Like, everyone's like, they have the potential. Like, they're always setting themselves up. And I was going to go on just like, at least, like, the most, I want to say most interesting. Uh, A very uh, particular thing I think it's picking up from a lot of uh, the past year of E3 shows where Phil Spencer has this shelf in the background where sometimes you think, oh, does that mean anything? And sometimes whatever he's had on the shelf actually is him hinting at something they are working at. Where, like, two notable ones right now is that there's a Kojima Productions uh, statue that's been on the shelf, and Nintendo Switch is on his shelf. That's the one I can't fucking get over. They had it on the background in a random fucking inside Xbox, and it was like, the Switch was one of, like, three objects on the shelf. What the hell are you doing? There's no way that's an accident. You, once, it's one thing if you do that once, but to do it twice? Well, there's also, what, what there's also the documents of dealings released between microsoft and nintendo in the epic v apple thing and like the entire page was redacted Mm -hmm. something's happening if something cool didn't we call this years ago back when we were doing some other podcast that never actually back came to back i want to say it was about four years ago at this point we tried basically making this exact podcast and it, it never came to light as peter just said and I believe our first episode was about the potential Game Pass had, and somehow we ended up getting to the conclusion of what if this fucking thing ended up on the Switch? I think a lot of people still poke at that as a possibility. Yeah, like, but we were first, Mark. We were first. Yeah, we well, were, come on. You, you, you are, are true. You are true. Yeah. I, we I don't remember anyone else saying it until we said it, so this is fair. And by the way, Death Stranding was the fourth game at so, uh, 2018. Man, remember when that game was going to fucking be something. Mm-hmm. That was the first time we saw gameplay of that game. That was a very big deal for... We were all like, Death oh Stranding. boy! Oh no! <laughs> it really is a walking sim. Great. Now, Death Stranding. 
is a perfect example of like it was a really nice surprise to get whenever they revealed it whether that was an e3 or not i don't remember it was but i want to bring us around to the topic of leaking specifically in terms of e3 but this is kind of like a any time in the games industry there's a big deal made about the reveal of a game and having that be an event in itself but then there's always these pesky reporters always jumping ahead and leaking uh whatever happens or or it could just be some random dude on reddit like posting an entire thing but I want to talk about how how we feel about this, if we hate getting spoiled on E3 stuff, and if there's ever any merit to it. But focusing on like the spoilers for E3, Mark, I, I want to get some of your thoughts on this topic in general. Because yeah, E3 is such a special time. It's the, the, the video game Christmas, I feel like. You never know what's going to happen. Secrets kind of show up, and it's in such bulk that I think going into it, knowing it as little as possible, makes the event way more fun uh, to, to, I guess, participate in, even though we're just watching uh, commercials, so to speak, from all these game companies. But uh, I remember, at least the past couple of years, it's not felt that special because I feel like a lot of the big stuff we've known going into it, whether it's because stuff has been announced so long in advance, or, say, Walmart Canada shows up and tells us everything that is going to be at the conference essentially because some retail leak goes up and i i, I kind of can go back and forth where it's like oh i still get to see the game for the first time that's cool no matter what but i look at some of the stuff from this year that would have been cool and some of this is also rumor uh like i know i even brought it up for my prediction uh, episode the final fantasy origins which could be like this dark souls final fantasy retelling of the very first final fantasy that would have been cool to be completely caught off guard by uh, whenever that, when that kind of does show up and that, that kind of gets taken from you, so to speak. Like imagine uh, if, if it got out, say Nintendo 2018, where they had their, where it was basically the smash ultimate reveal direct. And that's what people remember it for, because that was, ha- that was like more than half of the directive. It got out that that was happening. Everyone's all characters are coming back. Uh, that really would have killed that direct because a it's banking so much time on that one game, uh, but kind of just the way that they lay it out and present the surprise of everything kind of unravel or just coming together throughout the trailer, just you figuring out what this game actually is. Uh, that's a, a very special moment it kind of creates, and knowing all of it in advance, I don't know. It it takes the the magic away, like to call to to make the comparison of E three to video game Christmas, so to speak. The surprise is such an important element there. I don't know how do you guys feel about it. I at least somewhat agree, Peter. I want your thoughts on this first, though. It's weird because, on the one hand, this is a weekend and a week of commercials of just products being sold to us. It is odd on paper of us looking at products being leaked and all of basically these marketing strategies strategies being shown before they're fully ready and i was going why would you tell us could can be seen uh, could be seen as kind of odd but i'm choosing to say fuck that 
because as I've said on this podcast before, I like good marketing. Good marketing can make me more excited for products. And as much as I hate giving the corporation the power and all that cheesy shit, at the end of the day, I like buying shit that makes me happy. Video games make me happy. So for people who always have that criticism where they're always looking down at you when they say it because they think they're fucking better than you of why are you getting excited for this product then like why the fuck are you in the games why are you even here go away there's a time and place to be critical about things we we understand like all of us here understand like yes i understand this is a commercial but like e3 is one of the most exciting times of the year for us and no matter what kind of critical lens we can kind of have coming into this, I want to be surprised and excited by this. Exactly. Now, like, I get it. Go ahead. I, I feel like I'm I'm the foil here because I'm the one most likely to have a take similar to that. I think my take is different from that because my main thing is that I don't like that the attention that the marketing and reveal gets can often overshadow whether the game ends up even being worth playing when it comes out. And I think there should be, I wish there was more excitement around like actually talking about the games when they happen, as opposed to when the reveal happens, because it is just like, it just feels weird to me that in gaming people do get more excited for the commercial over the discussion and analysis of the game. Well, discussion and commercial are free of charge. A game you actually have it's to fucking true. buy and make sure you have that every console. True. Whereas mm-hmm. a discussion, free entry, everyone walk in. Whoever the fuck wants to come into this club, come right on often, in. All welcome. Often to the detriment of gaming everyone is welcome no, i agree <laughs> i can i think we can all verify myself i with the first-hand experience here from finding out what death stranding is was way more interesting than playing death stranding itself mm-hmm. uh the the mystery is there you know there's the when i i, I said before the element of surprise is here and uh, you never know what you're going to expect and something new being introduced in this thing this the games that we, the thing we like so much just knowing what's kind of going on around the corner of the gaming world is always has its own kind of interest to it especially it's all presented together and the game awards is also kind of cool in this way because everyone's on the same stage but that's one presentation whereas everyone else is kind of lined up some people like to look at e3 as like a competition to figure out who won e3 i'm like i'll I'll humor the thought just to try to compare it but i don't think that really matters in the grand scheme of, of here i just want to see people show off cool games and I think last year's, I say last year, 2019 E3, the magic really wasn't there for the most part. Like EA used to be something to E3. Like I don't, I don't know, if, even if I can honestly say that. I would EA, say, what the hell are you talking about? Every time we watch EA, we think to ourselves, why did we just watch? Yeah, that? EA was typically I mean, a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to say early 2010s at least. It, like it felt like it fit in, and everyone like we knew what to expect out of ea but sometimes there are one or two really cool things that kind of stood out all i know is now it, it is not that you want to tell me what they were because i never saw them when i used to watch those look conferences. P- peter he's talking about the pele interview we all know it um oh my god the, fucking pele the, the uh the main thing that i actually hate that ea gave this to us but i bet 
his games have never been more successful because of it. I hate the Joseph Ferris fuck the Oscars moment. Because it's just so stupid to me. And like, haha, he said the fuck word when they weren't expecting it. Um, in, in defense of this moment for E3 specifically, this didn't happen at E3. This was a Keeley's event. Happened. It was at, at the, the Game Keelys. Awards. Oh, interesting. It all blends together after a certain point, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, going back to to how I'm the dickhead that Peter hates. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> um, I need to give our our podcast a homework assignment. And it might take years to complete. Who knows? It depends on how oh, good we are. Oh, shit. We need to find the better take between between it's just a business and these corporations don't care about you. Because both of these takes are bad, in my opinion. And everyone finds themselves giving one or the other. And there just has to be something better that we can figure out to say. Is there? Because I don't think there is. I just think that's the cold, harsh reality of the situation. And I, mm-hmm. I do agree with you. They both are shitty takes. I just think they're the only cards we have to play. I think it's these takes, the thing they have in common, I I think I, I kind of went into this a little bit before. I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to reiterate it too much, but it's people trying to be very critical of the way they're consuming their media, so to speak. But it's so far removed from the idea that we, this is also our hobby and this is something we get a lot of enjoyment out of. This is something that is very fun to interact with, to see what people are bringing to the, to us, even though a lot of times it's cinematic trailers with no gameplay and it's far removed from what we're actually going to be playing. It's It's like, we just had a fucking pandemic. I understand that mm-hmm. corporations are my best friend, but could we all just shut the hell up for a week? For a fucking week, could we all just leave our bullshit at the door and just enjoy video games mm-hmm. for the love of God? Yeah. There's, There's got to be a room for nuance here where it's not just like, okay, let's just We're shut just this fun. down and talk about what it not is. Even like, nuance just yeah. to enjoy life. This is the inter. This is games are a part of the entertainment industry, and that's why that's a huge reason why we're here. And it's important to not blindly consume all the media that we do. And I don't think the people with these takes are very much not doing that, but they're they're just not giving themselves the room to also just have fun with the event. Also, like when you when Ubisoft has the Just Dance people show up on stage, that's a big part of it. It's like this is a fun thing. This is a game about fucking dancing and having fun with your friends like sure they're also trying to sell you a product and just dance also will sell you so many of its songs separately and on top of the price you're paying for the full game there's important conversations to call this out and be critical about it but at the same time let's take a step back and remember hey why why did you buy that 70 or i want to say 70 please god no 60 uh just dance games because you know what i want to dance with my friends in the living room you know something to do fun at the party and you know what dancing's fun games are fun yeah all right guys one day time and place for everything i i think it's just a thing we can ultimately keep coming back to um over (laughs) and over and over again when it comes to the fun just always gets destroyed by 60 or 70 dollar price tag basically every time like you take that step back and you destroy the fun by just dropping that um 
I don't know. I pray for a day where like Game Pass works out and gaming can become a little more democratized. So then we can look at we can look at the you know, a perfect example might actually be Far Cry 5 because I haven't played it yet, but that was a game I decided to grab on the Xbox store cuz it was like $12. And I just I I can't wait for the day if it ever happens that games just become more accessible to people and we can start talking about games for their merit rather than feeling like we need to uh get as hyped as we can about any specific game because the average person probably has enough money to buy maybe three or four games a year so then you feel like you really have to get invested in everything to an excessive extent and then that's when you get the toxic culture around it all and i'm making this big roundabout point to kind of say like yes i agree with the let's all just have fun but also there are realities that can suck the fun out of it mm-hmm I, it there the both of these criticisms enjoying these presentations to the fullest and criticizing them are things that can coexist with each other. One does not invalidate the other. One can make you a bit more skeptical. Like if you're blindly just uh, loving everything you're seeing, sure, I understand why. Maybe maybe someone has the motivation and desire to pop someone's bubble but at the same time like no one asked you to do that i don't know like nothing nothing will ever stop me like from screaming at a really hype smash bros reveal it's like going to a water park and bitching that you're wet it's like then if you want it to be dry why the hell did you come Mm -hmm. stay home even if nintendo like like nintendo could be like each character is twenty dollars we we have every care all of our DLC characters. Each character stands alone twenty dollars. I I would still scream and be super excited to see it because I love what. I know. Okay. No. No. Now you push me. Like, <laughs> no. Really. Yeah. If 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 they tell me, hey, look at Pyramidia, Mythia, twenty dollars. I bet. Yeah. Let's step off. Let's step off the gas pedal because this is a bit much. Like that, I would have that conversation after I'm done screaming. If I was a huge Xenoblade Two fan, I am not. A huge Xenoblade 2 fan, but Sephiroth, on the other hand, if that was a real, I screamed, my roommate said to come check on me, make sure I was okay. I oh, yeah, no, Sephiroth. After that, he's in the game. Yeah. They played one wing angel and it blew my mind. One, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up with this discussion, going back more towards the leak area of the discussion, I want to talk about the curious case of Jeff Grubb. And if people don't know who Jeff Grubb is, he's basically just a games reporter that in the last like 18 months or so has gained a lot of notoriety because I'm not sure if it's proper to call him a leaker. He's more just like an, an insider who actually like opens up his mouth about things because it seems like there are just a lot of open secrets in games, but everyone for one reason or another doesn't really want to say them. He just kind of says every single one he hears, so it seems anyway. And I think it's an interesting position because it's something I'm used to in following sports. There's a there's two of these insiders specifically. There's Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. And basically, 
they will report on any rumors. And if they say that something is happening, it's like locked in. It is happening. And I think the more complicated discussion with Jeff Grubb is that he kind of enters that role, but it seems like he's wrong a lot and he has to like backtrack a lot. Not, not to like come at him, but it just seems like he has probably about like a 50 to 60% hit rate. And I, I don't know, uh, Peter, I want to know, do you have any, any thoughts on his style in general? And I just want to say like, I, I like him in general as a person, whenever I hear him on like a show that I'm listening to, I do. I just think his reporting style is pretty unique to games. I just, well, first off, I just want to know how the hell this guy exploded in popularity over the last year, year and a half. Because we've been in the we have been fans of the industry for fucking ever. And I feel like one day, Jeff Grubb just became a household name. You were weird if you didn't know who he was. He was one of the biggest names in the industry. Like a bat out of hell. And I'll just never understand how he took the industry by storm in the way that he has it. He's now, people consider him to be on par with Schreier. Jason Schreier, in terms of scoops and insider knowledge. And that's a pretty fucking hard second place trophy to win. But he somehow did it in the span of a year, a year and a half. So anyway, I... I think it's fine for him to have this sort of notoriety. I do think he is right more than he is wrong. I think he has earned the bubble that has formed around him in terms of information he knows. Uh, He was the one to break the Starfield being exclusive to Xbox and PC and never coming to any other consoles. And I'm sure as shit that come Sunday, we will get that definitive confirmation. I feel like a lot of times he does not come out with scoops unless he is pretty damn sure of the information. And when he is wrong, he's likely heard it from sources who have given him correct information in the past, so he has no reason to doubt them at any point. I, I, I think I just... I don't really have any strong feelings on Jeff Grubb per se. I think he's right more than he's wrong. He's making a career out of it. And I don't think it's any, I'm not saying you think it is, or Mark thinks it is. He's not being a scumbag or an asshole or treating others poorly. So in this case, it's more power to him, I guess. Mark, what are your thoughts? Like sometimes when he, he kind of goes into detail on stuff is like when a rumor is already kind of put out there and people are already thinking about it. And then he just goes into details like, okay, yeah, I have heard about this. Here is what I have heard about it and goes into detail. And I think sometimes people think he's confirming more things than he is rather than just saying like, this is what I have heard. Uh, the, 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 the line between leaks and rumors sometimes can get kind of blurred together. Like the Switch Pro has been very big in that, I think, in that realm of is it leaked or is it still just being rumored? Because so many people are talking about it and a lot of different people have so, many, you know, so much information on it. And I don't know exactly where Jeff Grubbs is waiting on, say, the Switch presentation or the Switch Pro in that regard. I think he, he's definitely talked. About he it. was one of the louder ones of like a week ago saying like it's going to be revealed on Friday, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. But it, he and was the not the only changed. one. He was not the only one by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. Sometimes it feels like uh, 
the, when there's when someone is deciding to leak something and it's kind of like the shotgun blast of information, just a lot of it instead of just like, huh, there is some form of Mario 3D platform collection coming. To what what does that mean? Or where, where he kind of has kind of sprinkled in a little bit more details and is willing to keep talking about it rather than just be like, this is all I know. This is all I can say. And I, 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 I don't really. I feel like strong feelings against her for him. Like, uh, I, I'm at a point where I, I've just been through so many like rodeos of Nintendo rumors where I just, I, I, I don't give too many rumors too much attention anymore because I just don't believe it unless it's like more hard evidence rather than someone said. Like it, just, it just doesn't hold with me. And sure, Jeff Grubbs kind of is more popular in in this field right now, in this spotlight, I should say. Um, I'm in the same boat as Bark for the record in terms of Nintendo leaks. Yeah, it's it's been a lot. There's always there's always something crazy, and sometimes there's more convincing evidence. Like the first Smash Brothers Fighters Pass, some of the leaks were looking into the code for certain slots of the upcoming characters, and the code names were kind of figured out, and just kind of making connections of what those code names were. And some of them were were accurate. There was one that was like Brave, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's a Dragon Quest hero. It must be." And then Ace was one of them. It's like, "Oh, Ace, that's." Joker from Joker had already been announced at this point, but people digging deep for those kind of connections on rumor and speculation is much different than someone just saying like, "Oh, Nintendo's got this whip, uh, this coming up." Uh, and he he did do the the Starfield, and that one kind of is coming out of nowhere. I want to say, or like there wasn't any sort of big information. And going to where I was talking before of surprises, like. Sure, it's been a long time since we've seen Starfield, but that's definitely one where I would have been like, uh, I would have rather have stayed on the fence, not knowing much about it, rather than knowing it's a it's a twenty twenty two release. Supposedly, I mean, maybe it still isn't, and they're wrong. But I I trust them at this point. Everyone seems pretty confident about it. Uh, it it's it it very much depends on. Uh, how specific it is, how much of a big title it is, and what kind of weight I think that that reveal could have brought to uh, an E3, whether it's a surprise or what. It was like a surprise announcement or something we completely didn't know about. Clarification on a game that's just disappeared is where that that scenario is where I think it's kind of the most. I don't I don't know if acceptable is the right word, but just uh, where the reporting and digging kind of is uh, more appreciated or more has more value to it because it's asking the question of does this game exist anymore i want to know because games kind of can get canceled in the background and just disappear for years like that's that's where kind of the digging i think is more so important rather than just saying like oh starfield is only a matter of time before this thing shows up it's reasonable to show up now and then we got the details right before we were probably going to get them it's 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 a mixed bag i want to say yeah or I, I don't I don't think Jeff Grubbs isn't Jeff Grubbs is inherently just like ruining games for kind of sharing secrets or e- even just kind of stirring a pot sometimes where there's nothing to be stirred apparently when when nothing is to be revealed for probably know a lot of the stuff he talks about is just being delayed because the timeline making a game can be just so so complicated and there is still the pandemic uh, having effects on developers right now so we don't know because this is the past year he's blown up few different who knows what is going to come and come or what will come what's up a few different thoughts. I have on just stuff you were saying there. One, I want to know how it ages by the time this episode comes out. Feeling good on my Switch Pro Breath of the Wild 2 prediction. They're not saying a word. 
Yeah, I'm I'm, pretty good. I, I'll be very upset if you're correct. Now, I, like at Breath of the Wild too, but whenever it happens, it happens. I, but Switch Pro, come on, I'll, I'll be. I'll be reasonably upset as well, but I'll at least be able to hang my hat on making the prediction. Mm-hmm. Then I think my last thoughts on just Jeff Grubb as a character and kind of the role he's been playing in the industry lately. I like what you were saying, how you like the kind of insider speculation role when it's like a thing that we know about but we haven't heard about in a suspiciously long time like providing insight on stuff like that i think is a really beneficial Mm -hmm. thing that we need more in games because there have been plenty of games over the years that just like they just flat out disappear and you never Mm -hmm. hear anything about them and like i would kill to know what happened to uh agent the Rockstar exclusive PlayStation oh, yeah. game. And like that, of course. that story still isn't known. And maybe if something like that happened today, we would know it. Um, I also kind of think that with Grubb's role within the industry, part of it is also that the greater games media kind of handles whatever he says poorly because I don't even think he's been prepared for it. But anything he throws out on a stream becomes a headline now. And part of it is like, okay, I guess he has to know that he has that responsibility and is being looked at in that way. But at the same time, you know, all he's really doing is he's just speaking about what people are telling him. And I don't think he, for most things, he's not saying their fact sometimes he will say like this is confirmed i'm very confident in this honestly i think this is way more about the gaming outlets than it does him i i think the so the fact too. that these once these massive behemoths of the industry ign GameSpot, game informer now all have to suck the teat of jason schreier and jeff grubb just to get the most clicks for the day Show us how much of the power balance in the in the games media has turned on its head over the last decade. No one is people are no longer going to these massive, well, like formerly household like how, like household names. Now they're just going to individuals, or they're just going to streamers because that's where the zeitgeist has shifted toward. And as to why that happened, I, as of now, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. But I just think it is so painstakingly clear that Jason Schreier and Jeffrey and Jeff Grubb, as well as other known insiders in the industry, are more, I don't want to say respect, even though I possibly could say respected, are more sought after and more looked to than IGN and GameSpot used to be. It definitely is. Uh... A strange shift maybe one day we'll be equipped to break it down but i don't i don't think we're at that point i don't think we have the Not enough do I, but I, wish we were. I don't think we have enough information yet to really even have definitive takes on it but i don't know we're at an hour and a half here i'm kind of tapped out of any questions i have for you guys do you guys want to take the conversation in the other directions or do you think we end here Hmm. Mark, what do you think? Where are you at? I'm kind of liking the talk we're just having, just 
well, I mean, earlier we were really just kind of talking on how we feel about E3 and just kind of going into the talks around E3. I don't know if there's anything, because this is the last episode. This this episode's going to go live mid-E3, like halfway through it. So We'll have seen Xbox and Bethesda. We will not have seen Nintendo by the time this episode goes out. Also seen Summer Games Fest. We'll see Square Enix. Are you? Okay, we can end on this. What are we realistically expecting from Summer Games Fest? Like, honestly, what are we expecting? I have no idea. El- Elden Ring is in the talks of being there somehow. Anyway. Fuck off, Mark. I don't Come know. On. I don't know how realistic that is. It's not going to be there. I don't know. It's It sucks, though, that Summer Games Fest is starting off uh, the whole show because that killed one of my predict- uh, predictions that during Microsoft's conference... Jeff will tweet that we'll see more of it at his show, but it doesn't work out that way anymore. Uh, it, mi- it might schedule. still, it might still, because going going off of the point of just not not really even understanding what Summer Games Fest is, it's like he could be referring to uh, after after the Microsoft and Bethesda conference on Monday, there will be a Summer Games Fest stream where you can see more or something. Like I could see all of that happening. I could see it. I think I and think your predictions are about. This is good because uh, some of my predictions, I all of our Switch Pro predictions except yours. So just me and Peter, I feel not so good about that anymore. Unless if tomorrow or Friday, I feel like that's our best shot. That's the only shot we have. Mark, I, tomorrow is Summer Games Fest as of recording. Mark, I think your prediction probably has the best possibility of coming true because Peter, if I remember yours correctly, it's that it's that they'll talk about it extensively and like really try and sell you on it. And Mark, you I don't know what the fuck I was thinking with my goddamn predictions looking back. A lot of them are so bad. I don't know what the hell I was what my mindset was of that day when I thought them up. A little more spicy, I think, and that's kind of the fun of it, is trying to, to go for the hard ball. Why is Mike, why would Xbox buy Koei Tecmo? Why would they do it? That's the only one where I'm just like, I don't understand. And you, At one point you said you, you got the company wrong. And um, I could never remember what it was, because I, I couldn't think of another Japanese developer that was confident that Microsoft was buying, so I'm just asking myself, what the fuck were you thinking? The the only th- I want to catch you red-handed uh, in that episode where you said well, I think Owen had asked what does Koei Tecmo make, and you said Dynasty Warriors. And if you said Dynasty Warriors in the time, I think you knew you're talking about when you said, "Oh, I." Well, I mean, I knew I knew Koei Tecmo make Dynasty Warriors, but then looking back, it's like, no wait, why the fuck would they buy Koei Tecmo? I was like, no, there was a Japanese dev. I was so confident they would buy, and it's definitely not going to be fucking Sega. It's not going to be Koei Tecmo. It's not going to be Namco. No, no, no. It's not going to be Square. I'll... I so I don't know what I thought I was thinking. I think I wouldn't leave take out of the question. Any uh, when it when it comes to predictions about E three announced studio acquisitions, um, you have to go with smaller fish if it's going to be an E like three announcement, like a Sobo, because Sega or Koei Tecmo are publishers. Therefore, that means they're buying like anywhere from four to like twelve new studios if they were to buy one of them. In which case, yeah. we would be hearing about the uh, the court proceedings much earlier than we would ever be hearing about any sort of E three announcement about it. Mm-hmm. I am starting to hear what smaller developers may be being announced on Sunday. 
listen to the Iron Lords podcast. How is that podcast? For I thought I I fucking loved it. I didn't finish all of it. It was a five hour episode. I really fucking liked it after Incognito came on uh, Defining Duke. Yeah, the other week I, I really fucking. Liked I this thought guy. he what was. Is podcast? I thought he was awesome on Defining Duke, yep. and I was thinking I want to listen to that as well. And holy shit, they throw some names around of in names they've heard. A couple that they threw around were Techland, uh, the developers of Dying Light and Dying Light and the upcoming Dying Light Two. For those unaware, they also have heard possibly Crytek. That would be that that would be textbook textbook Microsoft because it's like Crytek is classic uh, underperforming studio. They have their thing yeah. with graphics, and then like for the most part, their games don't really leave an imprint on people. Right I think those are the best developers game. that they should be pursuing, the ones where it doesn't really feel like a monopoly is forming, and it's helping the developers with keeping their lights on, building out their teams, being able to go bolder and bigger than they ever would have previously. Those are the kind of developers that I like when Xbox buys. I feel fully comfortable whenever they are purchased. If it, if it, Again, as I've said, if it ever comes to like that they've bought Sega, I think the alarms should be going off because that's a big fucking deal. With Bethesda and Sega, yeah. Absolutely. At that point, it's a little concerning to both of them publishers because they, they have bought a big publisher before, but they spent more money buying Bethesda than Disney did LucasArts. So Yikes. I did not. And Marvel. And Marvel. Put together? Like combined yes. or just individual? Oh my fucking God. That's insane. I, that I did insane. not know that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. Uh, games are just too expensive, though, so $70. They have no money. Think about these poor publishers. They can only buy two yachts instead of three. Just think of the little man. All right. Mark, uh, you, you were trying to get out a point before. Do you still have... Um, no, I, I, I think we've, we've had our fun talking about E3. All right. Sounds good to me. This has been BNY Gaming Podcast episode 24, and we will see you all next week when we are actually giving reactions to things that happened throughout E3. Please be good, Xbox. I'm fucking begging you. Please be good. Ubisoft, you're going to disappoint me, and that's okay. But Xbox, I'm begging you, please. Please do well. No one's Square Enix. That's all I want. That's all I want to see deliver. Don't hold your fucking breath. I'm holding it. You shouldn't. You're going to pass out. Master Chief's coming to Smash Brothers, Peter. I hope I hope so. He will be the final character, because both characters will be announced, and then his tagline's going to say, Master Chief finishes the fight, because he's the last character. Oh, game. fucking my head will explode. <laughs> that is the shit of dreams right there. The coolest thing since Mewtwo Strikes Back was part of his coming back trailer. Like, oh my god. Right, uh, right, teed up so well. But let's get out of here.